You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Thursday the 30th of September. The draw has just been announced for the 2021 Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, which takes place on Sunday at Paris-Lanchamps. 15 have been declared. The big news this morning was that Roger Varian took out Tiona. He felt that the ground was already soft and with more rain forecast, that would not be suitable for her, so she will have to wait for another day. Field of 15. One Mojo Star gets the inside gate for Richard Hannon. Hurricane Lane, the ledger winner, is installed. Two will go forward, I'm sure, from that draw. Tanawa, big fancy for Dermot Weld. Last year's Breeder Lopper and Breeders' Cup turf winner is in three. Frankie Dettori's Mount Love in four. Deep Bond, the second Japanese runner and winner of one of the key trials for this race in five. Bubble Gift, probably the best French challenger potentially in six. Seven is Broom, ridden by Yutaka Taki. In eight is Alon Care for William Haggis. All the rain will be a boon for the Judmont International runner-up. Snowfall for, um, for Ryan Moore in stall nine. Sealyway in 10. Adar, the derby winner, is in 11. The German challenger Torquato Tassel, we're going to hear a bit more about him later in this podcast. He's in 12 with Baby Rider in 13, Chronogenesis in 14, and Rabia gets the outside in 15 for Christian Demuro and Jean-Claude Rouget, last year's winning jockey and trainer. We'll talk much more about the arc a little bit later on. Cornelius Lyser is my guest today. And first of all, Cornelius, I wanted to start with something that happened yesterday at Kempton Park. Uh, which raised an eyebrow or two. Just tell me what happened. Yeah, so this was a, a seven furlong class six handicap under the floodlights at Kempton, for which the trainer Ivan Furtado had declared two runners. The first was Busby with a seven pound claiming apprentice who works for him, Ellie May um, Crute on board. She's ridden one winner from 33 rides. She has ridden uh, this horse Busby in all his six starts prior uh, to last night since joining the Furtado team. So he had Busby and Kenix, ridden by um, Sylvester D'Souza, uh, like Furtado uh, from Brazil, former champion jockey, teamed up with the trainer to win the Group 3 Scepter Stakes at Doncaster the other day with Just Beautiful, their only winner together this season, but they've had 17 together over the years. So we have these two declarations, Busby and Kenix, about 150 on the day, the race at 7.30, Kenex was pulled out with a vet certificate. Then it was announced that D'Souza, which was, who was due to ride Kenex, would switch to Busby, a horse which is something of a specialist on the Kempton artificial surface, and which was very well back, 16s into 9-4, to four, uh, though he was actually 4-1 to one at the start, uh, and uh, finished a staying on third, beaten a neck and three-quarters of the length, uh, having been, as D'Souza put it, awkward at the start. It later emerged or it emerged in fact it emerged during the afternoon that the british horse racing authority's integrity department had ordered the stewards at kempton to investigate the switch uh, and uh, they interviewed Furtado. a report has been compiled and sent on uh, to the authority clearly um a, a replacement like this which is hardly like for like leaves a a, a bit of a bad taste yeah, so there you go. A massive gamble and then a jockey change from a, a £7 claiming apprentice to a three-times champion jockey. 
you can see why people get upset about it. Do you think it's just quite simple? You should have to replace a £7 claimer with a £7 apprentice claimer? Well, let me read you Rule 65 of the Rules of Racing, which doesn't uh, relate specifically to this incident, but it says, if a jockey is prevented from weighing out because they are £4 or more overweight, if the declared jockey was entitled to claim a weight allowance, the substitute jockey must also be entitled to claim a weight allowance. Now, if you slotted that particular um, rule into the substitution part of the whole thing, I think it, I think a lot of people would be quite a lot happier. You know, people are looking for for, for a, a dodgy um, angle on all kinds of incidents, and they will certainly see. I was at Worcester the other day, and Brendan Powell, the jockey, had this terrible um, moment, 100 yards or half a furlong from the finish, where his saddle slipped right round, and he fell off when he was sure to win the race. And somebody came up to me and said, that looked crooked, didn't it? That looked crooked. Well, you know, that is what what racing is dealing with you know there are professionals around who understand stuff uh, but there are plenty of other people who are watching this thing and are the backbone of of uh, keeping the the sport on the road who who aren't quite as knowledgeable or understanding as um, as the people who are doing it on a day-to-day basis we talk of brendan powell there was news of, of him this morning the jockey is he's going to get plenty of rides apparently for joe and colin tizard's team as they unleash their string of jumpers that was reported by uh, the Racing Post's James Stevens this morning. So good luck to him for the forthcoming season. Now, on to the arc, Cornelius. And mm. an interesting comment yesterday from Dermot Weld, the trainer of uh, Tanawa, big fancy for the arc. He believes that the Japanese mare chronogenesis with Asheen Murphy uh, in the saddle is the, is the biggest danger to his, to his mare. Well, she's a, she's a very talented horse, chronogenesis. Oshin Murphy went across to France to uh, familiarise himself uh, with the horse on Wednesday, um, just flew over, um, rode the horse, um, said um, that she wasn't bothered by the rain-softened ground at Chanty, um, and because th- this is going to be a big talking point, the weather in the immediate um, run-up to the race, um, and um, you know, form really good. I, I think the surprising thing, uh, if you like, about uh, about chronogenesis is a uh, we've got Oshin Murphy a riding and b being very enthusiastic about uh, the horse. We've got uh, real talent in the form book. There's no doubt about that. Very good run against uh, uh, Mishriff earlier on in the year. We've got the whole story thing about the Japanese really wanting to win this great race, the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe on the other side of the world and those near misses with El Condor Passa, with Orfevre twice and with Nakayama Festa uh, in dramatic uh, circumstances on a number of occasions. We've got all these things and her price is holding up. She's been well tipped up as well by good judges. I think she's still very much available at at nine to one for the race. Um, And um, I I think that's really quite striking. Uh, There there has been this thing that she, she wouldn't perhaps cope with the rain softened ground, but I know her trainer has been quoted saying he doesn't see it as an issue. Uh, and um, you know, having having ridden her on slight, at least slightly rain softened, going at uh, Shanti yesterday, Oshin's not concerned as well that he was booked for her. It feels to me <laughs> that like he was booked for her practically last winter. I, I looked it up yesterday; it was in July, uh, but uh, that was still a pretty early booking. Uh, but he has big connections to uh, Japan, as we know. Uh, does uh, Oshin Murphy, and uh, he is very much part of what could be an enormous story for international uh, flat racing uh, in the arc on Sunday. And if you go back to last week's podcast, episode three hundred and seventeen. 
uh, beginning of last week, Sheen Murphy described an arc win for Japan as beyond his wildest dreams. Well, that dream is getting ever closer to becoming a reality. The French are trying to bolster the home uh, defence of the mm. arc, and it is a defence. They've won the last two, don't forget, with Sotsas and Waldgeist. And Rabia was well fancied for the race last year and has now been given the go-ahead by Jean-Claude Rouget to run. I don't think she's a forlorn hope, Cornelius. Well, um, A, she bolted up at Deauville, uh, admittedly. It wasn't a... It wasn't a, a sort of particularly recognised art trial or whatever, but she bolted up at Deauville in August, uh, displaying her well-being in, in by the bucket load there. Now that fifth place in the in the arc in 2020, one place in front of Enable, beaten barely three lengths. You know that that is that is rock solid form, and we we see year in year out, don't we? That arc form uh, is really good for the for subsequent uh, arcs. Uh, very very often the case. Christian de is going to uh, ride, means Michael Barcelona takes over on the other Japanese, big Japanese contender, Deep Bond, who won the Prix Foire, um, and uh, replaces de on that. So that 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 is also, it's a, a really significant piece of news, isn't it, for uh, French racing? Because, you know, it's all very well saying that you, you, you staged the best race of its type in... Um, in, in Europe, in the world, or whatever. Uh, but when it's on your doorstep, you want a, a, a decent amount of uh, uh, of uh, home home interest in the race, and uh, clearly that is uh, a very amount, uh, decent amount of uh, of home interest uh, with that particular runner for for Shadwell. I'm I talking of previous pods. What what episode was uh, Tuesdays? Uh, you, you're always good with your numbers on your pods. Well, this, uh, I was just struck. Right, this this last Tuesday just gone was 322. Yeah. So on on episode 322, I was very struck with the interview that you did uh, about Sealaway as well, who uh, which, which I, I, I think is no sort of um, no ridiculous. Lo- I think 33 to one is available about that French trained horse uh, for the Arc, and um, you know some of that form with St Mark's Basilica. Uh, is is you know is guilt edged, isn't it? It's 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 very good quality form, and I was I was quite struck by the interview that you did and the the positive nature of um, of your interviewee on that occasion, talking about that horse and other uh, runners for the for the team over the weekend. Yeah, that was Pauline Shaboob talking about the chances of the Arad Lagusseri runners over the weekend, including the Arc Fancy Sealyway. Germany has one representative in this year's Arc, that is Torquato Tasso, who was second to Sir Mark Prescott's Alpinista in his homeland before going one better and winning the Grosser Price von Baden at the beginning of September. This is the same race that Marion Bard and the German filly Daydream used en route to Arc success. Torquato Tasso is trained by Marcel Weiss in just his second season with a license, but Marcel can call upon the assistance of Julia Rumick, who has trained many winners under her own name as well. And she's been telling me about how the horse is as he shapes up to fly the flag for Germany in this weekend showpiece. Um, like usual, um, horse fine. He, he worked very well uh, on Tuesday, last Tuesday. And um, he's still pro- progressing after every uh, race he did this year. So we are very um, yeah, pleased with, with um, the kind of, of work he did last week. Do not really know uh, his limits because um, the races he, he ran, um, he, he, when he was beaten by Alpinista, um, he was a bit unlucky in the straight. 
but um, the jockey wasn't very hard to him in, in Baden as well. The jockey wasn't uh, very, very um, hard and um, he, he doesn't have so much hard races this year. So we do not really know his limits. And in, in, in our stable, we just have one group, one horse. So <laughs> we um, we doesn't have other horses um, to, to see um, really where we are with this sauce and um but we are we're sure that uh, he will give his best and he will run very well do you think that the rain that has fallen in in paris and is is forecast to fall over the next few days is going to help his chance yes absolutely um he he doesn't need a special ground he goes on every ground but um, there are lots of uh, some horses um, they don't like this ground so um, that could be a good thing for us tell me a little bit more about him i know you say you don't have really good horses to compare him to but julia you've been involved with many good horses over the years do you believe that that he has the potential to be a to be a champion yes yes because he's a uh, he's a very easy horse during the race He's always a bit lazy. He's uh, uh, easy to ride, um, and he, he really is um, is a very hard horse. He, he yeah, I think he has everything. Uh, he needs to be a, a real champion. Yes. And and just looking at the at the race, he's got quite a wide draw. Uh, is that likely to be an issue? Do you think he'll he'll be ridden forward? Um, I think the race will be very fast. Um, in Germany, we always um, rode him uh, behind the front because in Germany we doesn't have a lot of horses in races like this, and um, sometimes we we doesn't have a lot of um, yeah. It's a very slow races, and and that's not good for him. So he he need to be directly behind the front. In, in in France, that will be not the same this weekend. The race will be very fast, I think. So we can uh, we can give him a chance and we can wait and see what happens and um, his jockey will 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 take the right decision uh, in the right moment. Uh, we hope. And tell me a little more about his jockey. Yeah, it's a young jockey. He wrote him his first start when he finished fourth in a little maiden here in Mulam. Um, and um, after this race, he was very happy. He said, this is a really, really, really good horse. <laughs> we wasn't very sure at this moment. And um, uh, this year, he wrote him uh, four times, I think. Yeah, um, he wrote him four times altogether, he said. And um, he um, he really found, uh, found a good way with him. And uh, he, came, he only uh, came from Munich to write him in the work um, every Tuesday. So um, for everybody, it's a real big experience and for his jockey as well. Yeah, you're saying it for, for the whole team. Just try and give me some idea as to, as to how much it, it means to have a runner in the, in the arc. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you cannot imagine the last week we were... <laughs> We have so much, um, yeah, to do with this. We 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 have so much uh, TVs, uh, radios. Everybody wants to see the horse, and this is uh, we get 
we start to get a bit nervous <laughs> more and more and um, it, it is it is really wonderful marcel he just trained two years now nearly two years he, he's just uh, um, starting his career and um, that, that would be everything that mean everything for him i think I, i'm sure that mean everything for everybody here and uh, that would be yes great we are so excited to to, to run him not every trainer have uh, have the chance to 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 have a horse to run in this race it's beautiful it beautiful it is julia i wish you all the very best at the weekend thank you so much for talking to me yes no problem <laughs> thanks huge price the German challenger. My thanks to Julia Remick. Not a huge price either of the two supplementaries. No surprises. They've been supplemented. Snowfall and Ade are the Oaks and Derby winner. Snowfall, first of all, Cornelius, to what extent do we forgive the, the run in the trial last time? They are prep races, although the horses are, uh, are going to win if they if they can. The fact is that the target isn't the Vermeer on that uh, Sunday. It was the Brilat de Triomphe. So, yeah, and the O'Brien horses weren't running particularly well at the time. They're running miles better now. There's been speculation about the, the ground. I just can't, I don't get that. Uh, but, you know, what was the ground like when she won by 16 lengths, the Oaks at Epsom, as, um, as Fran Berry, uh, the uh, former jockey and excellent um, racing TV pundit, said yesterday she seemed to grow another leg on that type of ground at Epsom. And if Adair were to win this, Cornelius, given what he's already done, history will judge him as a completely different beast. You know, people of generations talk about Millery from 1971, the Derby, the King George and the Ark. Talk about, in the mid-90s, Lamtara doing that treble as well. That is a, a really iconic uh, treble. Perhaps the Japanese will turn their attention to that in the future. And I, th I think for, for, for Adiyar to be going for that is something really special. He's clearly a hugely talented horse. Uh, I suppose a prep race would have been good. He had to miss that. But clearly he's under the care of a trainer going really, really well with his three-year-olds. And as uh, I've, I've lost my numbers on your pods this week, but uh, as Charlie Appleby explained earlier in the week, uh, with some very good two-year-olds to come as well. Yeah, and of course, the two-year-old we were talking about was Carivas, who on his debut, interestingly enough, beat a horse of Her Majesty the Queen's called Saga, who's come out and won quite well since. Might be that Saga's getting towards the top of the royal pecking order, given the news that Reach for the Moon, the horse we touted so heavily on this podcast earlier in the year, is out for the season. Though he'll be back on the Derby Trail beginning of next year, maybe even the Guineas Trail as well. Who knows? Of course, Epsom is not the only racecourse gearing up for Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee. That'll be a key factor at Royal Ascot 2022. And Ascot Cornelius have just announced their, their figures. Yeah. I didn't think um, uh, the, the the figures for twenty uh, for twenty twenty were as bad as they might have been. A loss of two hundred thousand. Still, that's not good because uh, in twenty nineteen they the profit was over seven million pounds. Uh, they give big credit to the insurance policies that uh, surrounded the behind closed doors and the limited crowd. Uh, Royal Ascots that uh, took place in 2020 and then 2021, and also to government initiatives, things like uh, furlough and uh, job retention schemes, that that kind of thing. But those schemes uh, will come to an end, are coming to an end. Uh, and uh, although the race course is positive to the extent it sees itself as having created a, a solid platform from which to bounce back and to improve prize money uh, in particular, get back to the sort of glory levels that Ascot uh, revels in, it does acknowledge that uh, the figures for 2021 
uh, are not going to be uh, are not going to be good uh, because those schemes are not going to be around anymore. Uh, but um, I think they're talking about a figure of around about the 10 million mark. They're probably being deliberately conservative on that, but still, it, it does demonstrate that uh, even uh, a, a racecourse as big and a brand as big as Ascot. Uh, has uh, has struggled uh, and uh, is going to have to continue to work hard in order to get itself back into the position it was pre-pandemic. And after the next royal meeting, 2022, they'll be on the lookout for a new chief executive of, of Ascot, which will, will be quite challenging timing. No, I, I, I was I was told that uh, we would never that that uh, you and I well you, you move in different circles to me but I yeah, would yeah. probably it was very <laughs> it was very likely that one would never have heard of the person not because they're not a significant person uh, when when the appointment is made but because they are unlikely to have been a figure like say uh, Charles Barnett. Uh, who had been uh, very well known in racing administration and did a superb job, like Guy Henderson himself, uh, who, although he's an interna- very successful and very um, accomplished, distinguished international lawyer, had been the chairman of Wincanton Racecourse as well, so had been known in racing circles. It's all about brand Ascot now. Uh, and so if the person who appears uh, was last at Gucci or last at um, some major international brand, uh, it would be, and other major international brands as well as Gucci are available. Um, uh, that would be no big, uh, no big surprise. But no, it's not as though the new person will come in and will take the steering wheel and uh, just steer this very successful ship uh, forwards. It is a very successful ship, but but clearly the finances took a hit in the same way as so many other businesses did during the pandemic. So that will actually make it probably all the more um, uh, fascinating, interesting, um, challenging uh, for for the new person uh, in the big role. But Guy Henderson has done a pretty good job in charge. And um, yeah, those are decent sized shoes, uh, which are going to have to be filled at uh, some particular point. Okay, so yesterday I was at Goff Sales. As you can probably hear now, my next guest is still there. Uh, Nick Bradley, who has Feb Rover running in the Sun Chariot this weekend. And a couple of runners potentially at Paris Longchamp as well for his Nick Bradley Racing Syndicates. And it sounds like you're trying to stock up, restock at, at Goff's, Nick. Uh, yeah, um, we've bought 21 yearly fillies so far. I probably need another 20, 25 of them. So, uh, yeah, trying to... Uh, Saw them here, but the market's very strong, so we're having to dig deep. I think. So you're at the sportsman sale today, which is just getting going. Is it indications that the the strength of the last couple of days is is trickling down to the to the slightly less elite sale? Yeah, it'd be less elite on pedigrees, but there's some very nice horses on today. Um, I've probably got ten on my list today. One of them's already gone through doing about 62,000, so that doesn't bode well for me, but it bodes well for the industry. Okay, well, that's very interesting. Um, this weekend, you've got some, some stars out, particularly Fev Rover in the Kingdom of Bahrain Sun Chariot State. She ran an excellent race, went second in the Boomerang Mile against Colts. How hopeful are you she can win a Group 1 as a, as a three-year-old? Um, this is probably her last chance. Um, she's, she'll, she's head to the Tatsals to send the mare sale um, at the end of the year. Um, on ability, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know what the ground is in new market at the moment, but in a race, she's just found herself a little bit too far back and then ran on late. If we get a good position early doors, depending where else lines up, I see Jamie Spencer's jumped up to ride. Um, you know, she should be there or thereabouts, I would, I would imagine. 
At what ground would you like for her? I'd like it first. Well, okay. What about um, the runners for Paris Longchamp this weekend? You've got uh, Dandala and Oscula entered there. Have you made a decision on which race Oscula's running in? Yeah, it wasn't an easy decision. Uh, we had him in the Lagadere and the Boussac. Lagadere over seven against the boys. Boussac eight against the girls. We've gone for the eight just based on the fact that I think it's slightly weaker. Um, I would rather run over seven than eight, but we'll take our chance there. Ryan Moe's going to ride and should wear a hood, which I think will help us get the trip. Okay, so hood on for the first time, Oscula. Yeah, hold on first time, yeah. She was, she was a little bit laid up in the cowl, but also horse went into the back of her. Um, and we tried, just want to try and do that speed to help us get the eight furlongs. She's obviously been another seven as of work. And, and Dandala, it's just starting to look like she might be coming back a bit. Um, like she was always there. It was just a case of we were getting it wrong with tactics and trip. Um, yeah. She's Champions Day is probably going to be her derby um, back at Ask at six furlongs where it's easy to, to switch her off and get her in behind horses um, I'd be over five it's going to be soft ground which she's going to suit um, if we get a good draw she'll she be there or thereabouts my thanks to Nick Bradley there. Good luck to him and his team this weekend. Just a reminder, Oscula in the Pre-Marcel Boussac in preference to the Jean-Luc Lagardère, Dandala in the Abbey and Fevrova in the Kingdom of Bahrain Sun Chariot with Jamie Spencer on board. Right, off to Hong Kong and Jim McGrath this week with news of tomorrow's unusual Friday meeting at Sha Tin. Hi, Nick. We're a bit off stride on the Hong Kong beat this week. No Wednesday racing at Happy Valley, yet a day meeting at Sha Tin on Friday, tomorrow, and then no Sunday meeting. The reason is important. It's a public holiday. National Day, a celebration of the founding of the People's Republic of China, and with Hong Kong being what they term a special administrative region, an SAR of China, it'll be the full works, including, in the best local tradition, a race meeting at Sha Tin. Political views mean little when it comes to finding a winner, and this is a cracking 10-race card which features the Tony Cruz-trained computer patch trying for back-to-back -back wins in the feature, the Group 3 National Day Cup, a sprint down Sha Tin's straight five furlong course. And I reckon he can pull it off. He loves the five, and he's been freshened up for this, having spent a couple of weeks at Zhongfa a Training Centre on the mainland near Guangzhou. So mark him down, race 8, number 4 computer patch, and take him in multiples, including a tote swinger with number 9 super wealthy and 3 stronger, who should also run well. The really exciting prospects are now being introduced week by week as we come to the 8th of the 88 meetings in the season. And one who's attracted plenty of attention is Nervous Witness, an Australian-bred 4-year-old by Star Witness, the Aussie sprinter, who you remember came over to Royal Ascot and was placed in the King's Stand and the Golden Jubilee. Nervous Witness hosed up on his only start over course and distance, and he'll be odds-on to follow up in race five. So it's race five, number eight, Nervous Witness, who will have number one, Carroll Street, to beat in this slightly tougher race as he steps up a grade. But another reason this newcomer has attracted attention is because he carries the famous black green cross-belted colours of the De Silva family, who two decades ago owned the world's highest-rated sprinter, Silent Witness. 
Silent Witness, a Hong Kong icon, won his first 17 starts and was officially world champion for three consecutive seasons at the turn of the century. No, there's no blood relationship between Silent Witness and Nervous Witness, just the same ownership, but there was a similarity in the facile debut wins that each recorded. We will follow Nervous Witness with great interest in his first season. Zach Purton, who was blazing the trail early in the Jockeys' Championship, four clear of the Magic Man, is the lucky jockey for Nervous Witness. Not that he'll be in any way nervous. That's all this week. Normal service resumes next week with a Wednesday meeting at the Valley. Like the rest of us, Hong Kong punters will be focusing on this Sunday on the Arc at Longchamp. Good luck to you all wherever you are watching the great race. Thanks to Jim and to Nick and to Julia. Cornelius is still with me. Uh, Cornelius, have we left a horse out of the arc that we ought to have talked about, do you think? But what about Alan Kerr? Um, I'm not sure he'd be good enough to judge on, on recent form to be winning the, the arc. But um, you know, representing a stable, that of uh, William Haggis, which has had a, an absolutely fantastic year. Uh, and he's had a near miss in the race before William, hasn't he? Uh, William and the team know all about that. So, um, yeah, Alan Kerr, uh, having won the Edward the Seventh Stakes at Royal Ascot, is not one to just sort of uh, put to the bottom of the list. Uh, it's got to be considered. Thank you. Well, um, how about a winner for today? Well, I thought I might take you to Salisbury. Um, and um, I don't know what the weather is like where, uh, where you are, listeners, around the world, around Britain, but it's pretty damp in the south of England today. Uh, which is not ideal for Salisbury because I always think it's an absolutely perfect race course uh, for, a, for a good day. And if you haven't been, uh, it gets a five-star recommendation from me. Um, I thought I'd take you to the, don't be late, the 4.42, not 4.43 or 4.41, the 4.42 at Salisbury, uh, the William Hill Extra Place Races Handicap, and draw your attention to no, number one, Majestic Dawn. Uh, this is a nine and a half furlong race and Majestic Dawn won the Cambridgeshire 12 months ago, uh, up £10 since then, missed the race because uh, conditions were considered a bit too fast at Newmarket last weekend, but it's soft ground at Salisbury today, up £10 since winning the Cambridgeshire horse trained by uh, Paul and Ollie Cole, but a £7 claimer on board who's making an impression, Mohamed Tabti, ridden four winners this year, he's on board, so his £7 claim uh, could well make a difference, and that horse is around about the 5-1 to one mark on his favoured soft ground for, and I repeat, don't be late, the 4.42 at Salisbury. Cornelius, thank you. Thank you for listening. We will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.